Welcome to the Big Fan Theory. Catherine, welcome to the Big Fan Theory. Hi, thank you for having me. So in 30 seconds or less, can you tell us roughly who you are, what you do, and why you're qualified to talk about what we're going to talk about? <laughs> okay, so my name's Catherine Jones. Uh, I've got a business called Think J Wines, and we are a reduced calorie, reduced sugar, vegan, and organic sparkling wine brand. I've also got an influencer marketing agency, and my background is actually in influencer marketing. So yeah, I saw you on the, it was the bio article where I started reading about it and I thought it'd be quite interesting to have someone who can talk about influencing properly yeah. with actually some kind of authority. Um, and also, it's quite, <laughs> it's also, it'd be quite interesting to have a, like a premium wine isn't champagne and someone talking about some decent branding, which I thought would be quite nice. Yeah. Um, so I, I suppose as background, if you can tell us, you know, how you came up with the idea, was it, was it something that you recognised was a gap in the market or was it based on market research or was it just something that you wanted that didn't exist? So probably a bit of everything so my as I say my background's influencer marketing so I have worked with predominantly females with large followings on social media whether that be Instagram Facebook TikTok now <laughs> um and these girls were all basically turning vegan they were you know everywhere a turn you know then they were vegan this this girl became a vegan and 10 others followed suit. And then everyone around me was vegan and everyone around me was not wanting to be on a keto diet then. So they didn't want any carbs. They didn't want any sugar. And it was like the world around me was becoming so health conscious and just so interested in everything they were putting in their body that I guess for me as well, personally, I was gaining a lot of weight because I was working with influencers, we were going to bars, restaurants, we were getting free champagne on arrival, free Prosecco on arrival, and I was gaining weight. And I was like, okay, there's got to be a way for me to enjoy a glass of wine, but without all of the guilt. And then I actually started looking into it, you know, Googling, is there, you know, reduced calorie champagnes? Is there low calorie Proseccos? And I could only ever find one, bearing in mind this is like five years ago. So I could only ever really find one. And when I tasted it, I did not enjoy it. So I thought, right, there is a gap in the market here. There's pe people are not doing this. And if they are, they're not doing it properly. I know that my girls, my influencers would really enjoy it. I know that I personally would really enjoy it. That's kind of been my ethos throughout. Like if the whole business didn't work out, then I'll just drink all the wine for myself. No problem. <laughs> so yeah it, it was a mixture really it was there was definitely a gap in the market for it it was personal for me because I just didn't believe it, it existed um and then off the back of those two things I then went in and did a load of market research but it was the majority of the market research that I did was within the industries that I knew well so I'd I probably could have done some more extended market research than what I did do. But I did do quite a lot of market research when I did actually come up with the idea. So how do, uh, what kind of research did you do? Was it like focus groups or was it um, online surveys? or Tons of focus groups. No, we didn't do it. We didn't do an online survey, which actually, to be honest, I, w I wish I had done. And we are doing for the new product that we're, we're developing. Um, but we did tons of focus groups and we did... Um, 
we showed up to a lot of events uh, where, when we first had the product and we first had just samples of it. We were we were going to a lot of events with the you know females of all different ages, um, and we you know give it to them and we'd ask them questions. We get them to fill out sheets. So it was predominantly focus groups. Yeah. So how did you come up with the prosecco? I, I know one of the other interviews you said you went to you went to uh, the region and you know went and cha- uh, just tried a load. Was it as just as simple as that? Just finding a producer you liked. <laughs> I mean, it it does sound simple, but it. It wasn't. <laughs> it, I mean, it was a really terrible time in my life. I just had to travel to Italy 90 oh, yeah. times. Imagine, yeah. No, um, I was back and forth to Italy visiting different wineries. I actually appointed a wine agent. So he obviously had relationships with tons of wineries. And each trip, because we'd go at a weekend, because obviously I, I already had a business to run. So every weekend that we would go to Italy, we'd go to maybe three or four different uh, vineyards and we'd try all their wines and we'd listen to their backstory. But the difficulty was it's not so easy to get a vineyard that's not only vegan and organic because I wanted both. You could quite easily find a vegan vineyard or an organic vineyard, but finding both of them together was was quite difficult. And then once you did find that, it's making sure that they're kind of on board with you because the thing with our wine is it's not, white labeled so I haven't just gone to Italy found a wine and then put my brand on it I've had this created specifically for us so to then find a winery that's happy to work with you on that basis and actually say well yeah okay we will create a product that's specifically for you and we will not sell that to anyone else that's also a struggle so that's why it took so long. I think probably being, you know, not exaggerating, I think there was, it was probably about 10 trips in total to Treviso. And then we finally found the winery that we use now, which I, I absolutely love. And it's got all the same values as we have. And they're so, it's a family run and they're so bothered about the, the actual wine itself. They just love it. So yeah, it, yeah, I found it in the end, but it took 10 times. <laughs> How do they make it less sugar? Do they take some sugar out of the juice or do they just pick a bit earlier? So, no, it's actually when you're making um, a sparkling wine, well, a Prosecco in the Charmat method in, in a tank, they reduce it down to zero anyway. So the sugar is actually reduced to basically zero, but then they add uh, a grape must, which the majority of Proseccos will just pour in a load and it will mask the taste of maybe not so great grapes or, you know, not such a great vineyard. <laughs> um, while as with, with us, we've probably, you know, the tiniest. Per glass, it's uh, 0.73 grams of sugar per glass, which is really low for a Prosecco. Um so yeah, but that that's they just add in the tiniest, tiniest drop of grape must rather than the loads that most people would add in. So can you take us through the design process a little bit? Um, so how did you? How much of it was you know um, inspiration? How much of it was um, again focus groups? How did you uh, come up with think etc.? Yeah, um, and I'm guessing the pink and the flowers is because you're aiming more of a slightly for female market. But I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the branding, as you, you can tell, you know, the branding goes for females. But if you actually look at 
who buys from us, you know, going off our Facebook statistics or Instagram, it's just females. Like genuinely, it's like 90% females. You would think there'd be more because I would have liked to hope that, you know, men would buy for women or, you know, other reasons why they might be buying it as gifts or whatever. But actually it just, we have solidly got a female customer base really. But um, so when I was doing it, I've, I've designed other brands previously because, as I say, my background's influencer marketing. When we discovered the power of influencer marketing and how much of a return on investment we could make, we wanted to set up our own e-commerce brands. So I'd designed in the past, like, cosmetic brands and things like that. So it wasn't, like, my first rodeo, shall we say. But I knew I wanted it to be very feminine. I knew I wanted it to you know, portray, think about what you're drinking. Do you want quality over quantity? Uh, I wanted that luxurious feel. And think actually came about for two reasons, because it is very much think about what you're drinking, think about what you're putting in your body, think about quality. But then it also is thin. So it's saying, well, you know, I, I, I generally don't talk about that side of it, but I suppose thin does kind of, you know, go with the fact that it is very low in sugar it's low in calories it's vegan it's organic you know it's it's that healthier option so the thin is kind of in there subtly but predominantly it's think about what you're putting in your body and the way I designed it was with a designer so I will never attempt to I would come up with drawings and it would be just you know a little basis of what I'm thinking like I always love the idea of a capital K because my name's Catherine. So I love the idea of that. And then I love the idea of a silhouette of a woman because I thought it like it's really classy. Um, but I could never have put together my logo. So I worked with that, a designer on that because I will always let someone who's good at what they do, do what they're doing. I'm not going to try and be a designer because I'm not a designer. <laughs> so I use a designer and me and the designer work together and that's how we design the brand. Now this one's kind of, um, this is an old exam question, but I think it's kind of relevant, um, especially with the stuff that's got on your website. Do you think today's wine labels oh, do a good job of communicating <laughs> important information to consumers? Um, as you're obviously quite open about 62 calories per 100 mils and like, all the other bits that, that go with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we don't actually have that on our label because it was not a requirement, but actually as of, I believe next year, it's going to be a requirement to have all nutritional information on a wine bottle. Obviously you will get, you know, there will be a period in which if you bought however many bottles of wine, you know, they're not going to, you're not going to get in trouble if your label doesn't have the nutritional information on for a set period of time. But I do believe that there is a change coming into play to say that you must include the nutritional information on wine bottles, which right now you don't have to. So right now, most people don't, even me, who I'm quite happy and quite open about it. But I also don't want it to look... Sometimes when you start putting like, you know your calories there right for people to see it looks a bit tacky doesn't it and I just didn't want that for the brand I wanted it to be very high end and high quality so it's not that I ever wanted to hide the information I just didn't want it to look bad (laughs) so right now we actually don't but 
in the future, we're all going to have to. So, yeah, we will have to. Do you, do you think it's going to be a good thing for your brand to see? Because it's, I mean, it is lower calorie, but it's not like massively lower calorie. Yeah. So it was, what, 62, whereas Tesco and Morrison's like 66, 67. Yeah. So it's a bit lower. Like, it's obviously better if you drink your bottle. Oh, I, I mean, it depends what you get. It depends what type of um, type of Prosecco you go for. I will be very happy if we all if we all have to put it on our bottle. So, uh, what are the mo- most quantifiable signs that a wine brand is strong? Because yours is what picking up traction now. Like, what metrics are you looking at to um, to to, yeah. um, to you know that the brand's doing well? Yeah, I mean, it's been difficult for us because we launched only two years ago, so we launched basically right before a pandemic. Um, and my idea for the brand initially was to very much hit the on-trade, so your bars, your restaurants, your hotels, because I wanted it to be a lifestyle drink and I wanted people to be able to get it when they are out and about at nice venues. And, you know, a couple of months in, and we were finally making traction on that. And obviously the pandemic hit, every venue was shut down. And we very much, I hate to say it, and join everyone who says the word pivot, but we pivoted to completely and utterly online. Um, and that that's where our full focus went. We just focused everything into online. So we did loads of influencer marketing, loads of Facebook ads, loads of Google ads, loads of SEO work. We just put everything into the online brand and it went phenomenally well throughout lockdown. And I can only imagine that people were searching for low calorie beverages because they were drinking so much more. <laughs> um, it, it's just, it's just the fact they were all drinking so much more. I don't, I was as well, me included. I don't know about yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. I put loads of weight on last year. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? I, I did as well. Um, I say it's funny. It's not funny, but yeah, I I gained loads of weight and didn't I didn't stop drinking for many months and so did my friends, loads of people. But anyway, online sales exploded, so we did really really well online. Now the world obviously began reopening in the past few months, and I can really see a, a slight decline in online sales, but a huge pickup in traction on the on-trade stuff. And while as before, I was really struggling, fighting hard for your bars, your restaurants, hotels, because I hadn't built a brand yet. I was only three months in and I was like knocking on doors, trying my best just to knock down a door. But I had no social media backing or online presence or anything. And then a year in a pandemic of of a brand with just phenomenal growth in online sales that I could show as proof. I've literally got all that, proof to show and say look what we've done in a year look at how my brand's built I've now got 17,000 followers I've on Instagram now I've got 8,000 followers here I've got all these celebrities asking me to gift them wine I don't even have to pay them anymore because I, I used to have to pay now people are asking me just for the wine so it's like now that the brand's been built throughout the pandemic going back into the on trade is so much easier now because they recognize us as a brand um so yeah i would say how i actually you know measure success as such was just the fact that i was able to keep all my staff throughout a pandemic and i was able to fund the business plus buy new stock when you know so many other businesses were 
you know, having a very bad time and struggling a lot. Uh, and so that to me was, that to me was, was a success. <laughs> now, I wanted to ask you a bit about influences. So my background um, is B2B marketing and being and like trade events and those sorts of things. And if anyone ever asked me about influences yeah, yeah. then, I would say just, just stay well away because I don't think from a B2B point of view it works that well. But obviously you've had some success with it. So how, you know, how can, when does and doesn't it work? Is it purely just a consumer marketing thing? How have you harnessed it best for what you do? And also how, I think there's a lot of people who, um, who look at successes but they don't look at the number of times it's possibly failed because it's kind of, at least with like retargeting or with ads, you know exactly what you're going to get. I mean, it won't necessarily work, but like, um, so how do you, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, what, how do you quantify success with it? Where do you, you know, where do you think it works? Where do you think it doesn't work as well? So I think it's definitely the best place for it is B2C, mm-hmm. direct to customer mm-hmm. online um, because that's, I guess the influencers are predominantly influencing just individuals rather than businesses. Um, so that that's where it works best for me. It's like when I always choose my influencer based on, you know, who's a good brand fit and who is their audience. I will also, I will go through their brand, their analytics and their audience with a fine tooth comb to ensure that their audience is my audience and then only then will I work with them. So do, are most people quite uh, open with their analytics of what they get? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're so used to it. They're so used to a brand asking uh, and they're, they're quite happy to show you. And sometimes you look and go, oh, God, no, I don't think that's a good fit. Or other times you look and go, that's going to be perfect. But um, I think there is still space for it in business to business. And the way I've discovered that now is, through LinkedIn, because LinkedIn has got some phenomenal influencers that you probably don't even think of them as influencers, but actually they are influencers. They're getting thousands of reshares, thousands of likes, thousands of comments. So they are an influencer, whether you like it or not. And sometimes because they're business people, you you might mention to them, and I've done it myself. I'm like, oh, so you know, since you're a LinkedIn influencer, haha. And they're like, no, I'm not. Like they're horrified that I would ever call them that. But that is what they are. They can influence people with because they've got, you know, that many people following them and loving what they do. So I think where sometimes I have sent wine to a couple of LinkedIn influencers and they've posted about it. And it's not in a very um, you know, influential way. It's just very much a thank you so much for this. Uh, I'm gonna try it tonight and have a drink with the girls. And they don't even mention, you know, if it's low calorie or whatever. But I will see an uplift in sales. And sometimes that can be from businesses. So I've had last year over Christmas, when a couple of the girls off LinkedIn have posted about me, I had businesses buying their ham- their Christmas hampers from me. So we were getting like orders of 40 hampers or 20 hampers from businesses rather than from individuals. So I was able to see firsthand that a LinkedIn influencer did work when it came to business to business sales. How would um, how would you recommend someone gets into trying influencing stuff? Because I imagine some people are bombarded with you know gifts and offers if they've got big followings, um, and I'm not sure that's necessarily the best way around of doing it anyway. Like how do you how would a small startup company start looking for influencers to to follow? 
you'd have to you'd have to begin small. You need to know who you're after firstly, and then just start small. Because if you don't have a budget to spend, because influencers cost money, and if you don't have a budget, obviously you, you can't spend it. So therefore, you need to get them to accept a gift. Now, sometimes if the gift's worth a lot of money, they will accept it. But generally, they they don't accept gifting if they've got a hundred thousand plus, so or even fifty thousand plus. Now, I would always say start small, go for a micro influencer. A lot of people are hashtagging micro influencer, and they might have ten thousand or twelve thousand, but those followers are very dedicated, and they're almost like a cult following to that person. So anything they say, they're going to try or do. So I, I would say begin small: ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand followers. Send them a message, a really nice message or an email and just say, I'd love to gift you. You know, there's no pressure to post, but if you would like to post, I'd I'd be very grateful. And that's how you would begin if you didn't have a budget. But other than that, if you did have a budget, you'd go directly to an influencer agency and you'd say, this is who I'm trying to get. This is how much I want to spend. This is what I want to return. Help me do that. And an agency would, would do that. But obviously, you need a budget for that. Well, yeah, you need budget for anything. <laughs> what uh, what yeah. are usual um, influencer agency fees? Are they similar to any other marketing agency? It's generally twenty percent, but it's not from. It doesn't come from the brand. It comes from the influencer. So the influencers' rates will remain the same. And obviously, whether you were going directly with them, or you were going with an agent, or you were going with another agent, the rate should be across the board the same. But then the agent would take 20% from them. What are the biggest mistakes you see people making with um, different um, influencers or trying to find them? And there's also some platforms that work as sort of an agency type thing, finding influencers. Are they are they, are they worth looking at or is it better to go to a specialist? I think mainly if, as I say, if you have no budget, there are platforms where you can work with people on a gifting basis. Uh, so I think, up, did you mention Upfluence to me? Yeah, so Upfluence and Social Bakers are the other are two that people seem to rate quite highly. But I I don't know. It's, I, I've never been on Social Bakers personally, but I have been on Upfluence. And I do believe that you can gift people on there. So if you don't have a budget and you just want to find smaller people that you can gift, then you can do it on, on a platform like that. I personally don't because I... I guess I'm a control freak. I want to know everything. I want to speak to them directly. I want to see all their analytics. I want to see all their audience. I want to know we're a perfect fit. I want to do my due diligence on them to make sure that, you know, five years ago, they never did anything really bad that could come back and bite us as a brand. I want to make sure they're very clean cut in keeping with our brand. And therefore, I don't tend to use platforms like that because I, I prefer a relationship. And even if it's not with them, you can have a really, a really good relationship with the agency and, you know, you can ask all the questions you want. They'll provide all the analytics that you need and then you can make a, an informed decision and then you can monitor the process throughout as well. It's very hard to monitor the process online, I think, because if you're dealing directly with an influencer or an agent, you can say, oh, this is exactly how I'd like you to take the picture or do the video this is a content I'd like to see. And then if they don't do it, you can get it retaken and make sure it's all perfect. Then you want to discuss that it's going live at a 
a correct time, really. You don't want to put it up at 4 a.m. on a Saturday. You know, no one's going to see that. So make sure you put it up at a time. And again, you can get this from analytics, a time where their audience is most engaged. So I like to be very hands-on throughout the whole process. So I wouldn't personally use one of those uh, like upfluence or anything, but I think that if you do, don't have a budget and you are trying to find people who will accept gifting, it's a good place to start. Uh, now, one thing I need to ask you is a little bit about ethical considerations in marketing a healthy booze brand, because booze isn't healthy. It's really bad. We all know that. I, mean, yeah. I think everyone has to admit that. Yeah, there's lots of... Yeah, and, absolutely. You yeah. Know, even, yeah, it is lower sugar, but like, there's still loads of calories and alcohol and, and whatever else. Uh, what are the... How are you... Yeah, yeah. You know, approaching it from an ethical point of view, are you um, putting any caveats in? What are you? Yeah. How how are you um, thinking about it? So I've never ever at any point, and, and I never would say like we are a healthy wine, <laughs> um, because of the fact is it's still eleven percent, and it's still eleven percent for a reason. It can't be called prosecco if it's not. Um, and I wanted a prosecco. I wanted a, an upmarket Prosecco because there's, there's not really anything in the market where you you wouldn't just order the brand name, would you? You'd just say, can I have a glass of Prosecco? Well, as you might say, can I have a glass of Moe or a glass of Verve or whatever, but you would never, you'd always just say a glass of Prosecco. And I want to become that brand where it's like, can I have a glass of Think instead of a glass of Prosecco? Um, so, but... I've never, I've never ever said, oh, it's a healthy wine because it's still got alcohol and you're still going to have a hangover. People always say to me, I didn't have a hangover, I think. And I'm like, well, I think that might be in your head because it's still 11%. But with us, we're just very, very kind of, we say we're health conscious because, you know, we're conscious in the fact that it's less sugar, it's vegan and it's organic. So there are three things that make it better than drinking an average Prosecco off the, you know, shelves of Tesco. Not You you will not find many that have all of those three qualities. So we always say we're health conscious, but we're not a healthy Prosecco. We still have, a, we still have 11% of alcohol and I will never claim to be. And half the time we don't even mention the fact that it is. We always mention it's vegan and organic. You know, they're very much facts. But the sugar side of it, Unless someone's looking for it, it's not something we plaster everywhere because we just think we we don't want... Sometimes people can be put off. You know, like Diet Coke, they go, oh, it's going to taste worse because <laughs> it's less sugar. But we know that it actually tastes delicious, even with the reduced sugar. So it's actually just a bonus. So we just say, oh, we're, we're luxury Prosecco, vegan and organic. And that's how we always play it rather than playing on the low calories, low sugar side. We we tend to steer a bit clear of that because I, I know there was another brand, they were called Skinny Prosecco and they ended up having to change their name because it was like, they just they just couldn't say that. <laughs> so they ended up changing their name um, based on that. And I thought, well, I don't ever want to get in trouble, especially with the advertising standards agency. So we're just very, very careful. We're health conscious. We do things a bit better, but it is still a wine with alcohol. Fair enough. <laughs> Have you got a tech sheet actually with things like free sulfurs? I'm sure the few listeners will be quite keen on. I have, yeah. yeah. If we can link yeah, to that, that'd be awesome. I mean, I haven't no, 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 got no, it to hand, but I could send yeah, it to you. Yeah, that'd be amazing if you could. Yeah, there's there's a few nerds listening. I'm sure they'd love they love yeah, yeah. stuff like that. <laughs>
Absolutely, I can send it, and if you can just add yeah, it on. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool, well, listen, I'm conscious of time. I don't want to keep you too much longer, but uh, one question I always like to, to finish on is what do you think are the major causes of optimism um, in the uh, in the world of wine today now i know you've just had a load of wine impounded so so i mean maybe you could uh, talk about from a brexit point of view uh, i don't know is that a cause for optimism uh, oh god you're asking me at the wrong time you know <laughs> the wrong time in my life you've stopped crying this about question it, yeah there's no tears anymore um i mean brexit is it, it it's an issue uh as in even before, you know, getting wine in the country, you didn't have to pay VAT on it straight away. Now you have to pay VAT on it straight away. So it's a, a cost that you incur straight away that you're not used to. It's a cost that I've not been used to. Um, and then the whole, the additional paperwork and it's difficult. But I suppose for me, the good thing is, even though I have had some wine impounded, um, I've got loads of wine in the country. And I know people are struggling just to get wine in the country. And therefore, a lot of distributors and wholesalers are looking at new Prosecco brands and looking at new sparkling wine brands because the brands that they work with are really struggling to get the quantities into the country that they need to keep up with the demand. Because obviously the world's reopening. The on-trade world's gone mental. They all want all this wine and a lot of people can't get it in the country. So I guess for me, great news. I've got loads of wine in the country and hopefully in a couple of weeks I can release it and help supply that demand. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, there'll be a link in the bio. So if anyone's struggling out there. Yeah. If anyone's struggling, straight to the, <laughs> straight to the link. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Thanks. <laughs> cool. Well, listen, well, that's... um. Yeah, it's been really interesting to hear about a load of marketing stuff that I imagine most of us listeners have never ever even considered. So thank yeah. you so much. For no, that. you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it was awesome. Cheers, Catherine. Thanks, Steph. Thank you.